the patient with impairment of consciousness, memory or cognition. Case summary. Mr. D.D., aged 78 years, lived at home with his wife with carers visiting twice daily. His general practitioner, GP, had referred him to a psychiatrist six years earlier, after he started experiencing difficulty remembering things. At first, he would forget things like the social arrangements he had made. Later he started forgetting activities he had engaged in only the day before. His wife had noticed a gradual change in his personality in that he became increasingly withdrawn and sullen and, at times, verbally aggressive. His language deteriorated to the point where he would ramble incoherently, even when there was no one else in the room. Despite having smoked for many years, Mr. D.D. seemed unable to recognize his pipe and would stare at it quizzically for hours. He lost the ability to dress himself or complete simple multi-step tasks such as making a cup of coffee. His wife contacted their GP when Mr. D.D. was too sleepy to get out of bed one morning. The GP arranged hospital admission for further investigation. Nurses were concerned because his consciousness level was fluctuating from hour to hour. He slept through most of the day, but would wander around the ward at night looking very agitated and appeared to have visual hallucinations. The senior nurse pointed out that he had developed a productive cough. For a discussion of the case study see the end of the chapter. Cognitive impairment is common and important, but often underdiagnosed and underinvestigated. It is associated with a high morbidity and mortality, and you are likely to frequently encounter people with cognitive impairment in most specialties of medical practice. Definitions and clinical features. Consciousness. To be conscious is to be aware, both of the environment and of oneself as a subjective being. It is a global cognitive function. It is a poorly understood, complex phenomenon with multiple vaguely defined terms for its abnormalities. It is best to avoid terms such as confused, obtuned, clouding of consciousness and stupor, as they are not well defined and mean different things to different specialties. Clinically, the key question is whether someone has a normal or altered conscious level. This is assessed at a practical level by observing arousal level, hyperaroused or lowered. Figure 7.1 Assessment of Conscious Level ABC, Airway, Breathing, Circulation, GCS, Glasgow Coma Scale Cognition This chapter considers cognition in its broadest sense as meaning all the mental activities that allow us to perceive, integrate and conceptualize the world around us. These include the global functions of consciousness, attention and orientation and the specific domains of memory, executive function, language, praxis and perception. The term, cognition, is also used more narrowly in cognitive psychology and cognitive therapy where individual thoughts or ideas are also referred to as cognitions. Impairments in cognition can be generalized multiple domains or specific one domain only. An altered level of consciousness is generally associated with a generalized impairment in all aspects of cognition, as it is difficult to concentrate on any tasks when feeling very agitated or drowsy. A large number of specific cognitive impairments exist. These can be isolated impairments, for example, if they are developmental or secondary to a small stroke or occur together in disorders of generalized cognitive impairments such as dementia. Table 7.1. Memory. Memory is one of the commonest cognitive domains to be impaired. There are two main ways to categorize memory, the duration of storage working or long-term, or the type of information stored, implicit or explicit. Explicit memory, sometimes called declarative memory, includes all stored material of which the individual is consciously aware and can thus, declare, to others. Implicit memory, sometimes called procedural memory, includes all material that is stored without the individual's conscious awareness, e.g. the ability to speak a language or ride a bicycle. Explicit memory is the most common type of memory to be disrupted. It can be further subdivided into semantic and episodic memory. Semantic memory is knowledge of facts, e.g. Edinburgh is the capital of Scotland. Episodic memory is knowledge of autobiographical events, e.g. remembering a trip to Edinburgh when you were 10 years old. See for the characteristics of different durations of explicit memory and how to test them. Table 7.2. Explicit memory types, disorders and tests. Communication. 
There are different ways of classifying memory and different terms have similar or overlapping meanings. For example, some clinicians use the term short-term memory to mean recent long-term memory whereas others mean working memory. When speaking to colleagues it can be useful to define the type of memory referred to by the name of the test used to measure it. Amnesia refers to the loss of the ability to store new memories or retrieve memories that have previously been stored. Anterograde amnesia is when the patient is unable to store new memories impaired learning of new material although the ability to retrieve memories stored before the event or onset of disorder may remain unimpaired. Anterograde amnesia usually results from damage to the medial temporal lobes, especially the hippocampal formation. Retrograde amnesia results in the patient being unable to retrieve memories, although the ability to store new memories may remain unaffected. Retrograde amnesia usually results from damage to the frontal or temporal cortex. Hints and tips. Implicit memory, procedural memory, is typically preserved despite severe disruptions to explicit declarative memory, probably due to its independent neural location. Implicit memory is associated with basal ganglia circuitry. Explicit memory is associated with the hippocampal, diencephalic and cortical structures. Common cognitive disorders. Delirium. Delirium can be thought of as acute brain failure. It is a syndrome manifesting as acute or fluctuating cognitive impairment associated with altered consciousness and impaired attention. If someone is newly disorientated and is drowsy or agitated, they are very likely to have delirium. Psychotic features such as hallucinations or persecutory delusions are often present but are not essential to make the diagnosis. Delirium often fluctuates, so a patient may appear normal on the morning ward round but cognitively impaired and agitated in the evening. Delirium is a final common pathway of severe injury to the brain or body and is a marker of severity of illness, e.g. the C, in the CURB 65 score for severity of community-acquired pneumonia. It is usually multifactorial and often arises from illnesses that do not directly affect the brain. It has a high mortality, with around a third of people with delirium dying during the presentation. It is therefore a medical emergency and the cause should be thoroughly investigated and treated. It is particularly common in those with, at risk, brains, such as those with pre-existing dementia. In individuals with vulnerable brains a relatively minor insult can result in delirium, e.g. dehydration or a new medication. Delirium is also a risk factor for development or worsening a dementia. Delirium usually resolves when the cause is treated, but sometimes can be prolonged for weeks or months. The terms, acute confusional state, and encephalopathy, have roughly the same meaning as delirium. Prominent symptoms of delirium are described further below. There are three main subtypes, hyperactive, hypoactive and mixed. Box 7.1. Causes a delirium, anything that disrupts homeostasis. Hints and tips. Key risk factors for delirium are an abnormal brain, e.g. dementia, previous serious head injury, alcohol misuse, aged children, adults over 65 years, polypharmacy and sensory impairment. Hints and tips. The four key diagnostic features of delirium are 1. Impaired consciousness, 2. Impaired attention and 3. Impaired cognition, all with 4. Acute or fluctuating onset. Supportive diagnostic features are perceptual and thought disturbance, sleep-wake cycle disturbance and mood disturbance. Impaired consciousness. Patients may have a reduced level of consciousness ranging from drowsiness to coma, hypoactive delirium, or they can be hypervigilant and agitated, hyperactive delirium. Impaired attention. Ability to sustain attention is reduced and patients are easily distractible. Assess attention using tests such as serial sevens or months of the year backwards. Impaired cognitive function. Short-term memory and recent memory are impaired with relative preservation or remote memory. Patients with delirium are almost always disorientated to time and often to place. Orientation to self is seldom lost. Language abnormalities such as rambling, incoherent speech and an impaired ability to understand are common. Perceptual and thought disturbance. 
Patients may have perceptual disturbances ranging from misinterpretations e.g. a door slamming is mistaken for an explosion to illusions e.g. a crack in the wall is perceived as a snake to hallucinations especially visual and, to a lesser extent, auditory. Transient persecutory delusions and delusions of misidentification may occur. Sleep-wake cycle disturbance. Sleep is characteristically disturbed and can range from daytime drowsiness and nighttime hyperactivity to a complete reversal of the normal cycle. Nightmares experienced by patients with delirium may continue as hallucinations after awakening. Mood disturbance. Emotional disturbances such as depression, euphoria, anxiety, anger, fear and apathy are common. Red flag. A physical illness should always be sought when a patient presents with visual hallucinations in isolation because patients with schizophrenia or psychotic mood disorders usually also experience auditory hallucinations. Red flag. Delirium is a medical emergency. Around a third of people with delirium die during an episode of delirium. Thoroughly assess for and treat the probable cause. Red flag. Medication is one of the easiest causes of delirium to reverse. Always check the patient's prescription. The top three drug classes which precipitate delirium are benzodiazepines, anticholinergics and opiates. Dementia. Dementia is a syndrome of acquired progressive generalized cognitive impairment associated with functional decline. Conscious level is nearly always normal. Symptoms should be present for six months before a diagnosis can be confirmed. The following text describes the general categories of impairment in dementia. Functional impairment. Functional impairment must be present to make a diagnosis of dementia. Functional impairment means difficulties with basic or instrumental activities of daily living, Alzheimer's disease. Basic Alzheimer's diseases refer to self-care tasks such as eating, dressing, washing, toileting, continence and mobility, being able to make crucial movements such as from bed to chair to toilet. Instrumental Alzheimer's diseases refer to tasks which are not crucial to life, but which allow someone to live independently, such as cooking, shopping and housework. As well as being diagnostically important, someone's ability to perform Alzheimer's diseases determines what level of support they need, home carers or 24-hour residential care. Memory impairment. Impairment of memory is a common feature of dementia. Recent memory is first affected, e.g. forgetting where objects are placed, conversations and events of the previous day. With disease progression, all aspects of memory are affected, although highly personal information, name, previous occupation, etc., is usually retained until late in the disease. Note that memory is essential for orientation to person, place and time and this will also be gradually affected, e.g. patients may lose their way in their own house. Other cognitive symptoms, aphasia, apraxia, agnosia, impaired executive functioning. C. Behavioral and psychological symptoms of dementia. Behavioral and psychological symptoms of dementia, BPSD, is an umbrella term for noncognitive symptoms associated with dementia, including changes in behavior, mood and psychosis. Behavioral symptoms are very common and include pacing, shouting, sexual disinhibition, aggression and apathy. Depression and anxiety may occur in up to 50% of all those with dementia. Delusions, especially persecutory, may occur in up to 40% of patients. Hallucinations in all sensory modalities visual is more common occur in up to 30% of patients. BPSD can be similar to symptoms of delirium, but generally has a more gradual onset and conscious level is normal. See for more ways to differentiate BPSD from delirium. Table 7.3. Neurological symptoms. Between 10% and 20% of patients will experience seizures. Primitive reflexes, e.g. grasp, snout, suck, and myoclonic jerks may also be evident. Communication. When seeing a new patient with a likely diagnosis of dementia, always take a collateral history as patients may have poor insight and recall of their difficulties. Distinguishing the type of dementia. Dementia can result from a primary neurodegenerative process or be secondary to substance use or another medical condition. Early onset dementia begins before age 65 years. A small number of cases are due to treatable, potentially reversible causes.
However, the most common causes are dementia and neurodegeneration and or vascular disease. Describes the distinguishing clinical features of the various types of dementias although clinically, it is often difficult to tell what form a dementia is present and definitive diagnosis can normally only be made by post-mortem examination. It is important to establish the likely underlying type of dementia because a secondary dementia-causing process e.g. brain tumor may be detected and possibly treated. The progress of certain types of dementia may be slowed with specific medication, e.g. cholinesterase inhibitors in Alzheimer dementia. Certain drugs may be contraindicated in some dementias, e.g. antipsychotics can cause a catastrophic Parkinsonian reaction in patients with dementia with Lewy bodies. The prognoses of the various dementias differ, this may have practical implications for patients and their families as regards final arrangements, e.g. wills. The patient's relatives may inquire about genetic counseling, e.g. Huntington disease, early-onset Alzheimer dementia. Box 7.2. Diseases that may cause dementia. Neurodegenerative. Alzheimer disease. Frontotemporal dementia includes PIC disease. Dementia with Lewy bodies DLB. Parkinson disease. Huntington disease. Progressive supranuclear palsy. Cerebrovascular disease. Vascular dementia. Mixed Alzheimer and vascular dementia. Space-occupying lesions. Tumors, cysts, abscesses, hematomas. Trauma. Head injury. Dementia pugilistica, sometimes called, punch-drunk syndrome. Infection. Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, including, new variant CJD. HIV-related dementia. Neurosyphilis. Viral encephalitis. Chronic bacterial and fungal meningitides. Metabolic and endocrine. Chronic renal impairment, also called, dialysis dementia. Liver failure. Wilson disease. Hyper and hypothyroidism. Hyper and hypoparathyroidism. Cushing syndrome and Addison disease. Nutritional. Thiamine, vitamin B12, folic acid or niacin deficiency, pellagra. Drugs and toxins. Alcohol, C, benzodiazepines, barbiturates, solvents. Chronic hypoxia. Inflammatory disorders. Multiple sclerosis. Systemic lupus erythematosus. Normal pressure hydrocephalus. Table 7.4. Distinguishing clinical features are the commonest types of dementia. In a minority of cases the distinction will be obvious, based on other symptoms produced by the disease process e.g. jerky movements of the face and body chorea, and a positive family history would be suggestive of Huntington disease. In the majority of cases, the different dementias may be distinguished to some degree based on a detailed history from the patient and an informant, physical examination, relevant investigations and follow-up over time. However, the definitive diagnosis of a dementia subtype can only be established with absolute certainty on detailed microscopic examination of the brain at autopsy, and even then, a conclusive diagnosis may not be possible. To aid the clinical distinction of dementia, some authors differentiate cortical, subcortical and mixed dementias based on the predominance of cortical or subcortical dysfunction, or a mixture of the two, see for the features of cortical and subcortical dementias. Unfortunately, there is often a considerable overlap of symptoms in advanced dementia of whatever type, Table 7.5. Features of cortical and subcortical dementias. Hints and tips. At this point you might find it helpful to read up on the etiology and neuropathology of the various neurodegenerative dementias in. Differential diagnosis. There are four key questions when a patient presents with possible cognitive impairment. Is there objective evidence of cognitive impairment on a standardized test? If so, is it acute, chronic, or acute on chronic? This may require a collateral history. Is the patient's conscious level normal or abnormal? What impact is the cognitive impairment having on the patient's functioning? See for a summary a differential diagnosis. Figure 7.2 Diagnostic Algorithm for Cognitive Symptoms. Box 7.3 Differential Diagnosis A Cognitive Impairment. Delirium. Dementia. Mild Cognitive Impairment. Subjective Cognitive Impairment. 
stable cognitive impairment post-insult, e.g. stroke, hypoxic brain injury, traumatic brain injury, depression, pseudodementia, psychotic disorders, mood disorders, intellectual disability, dissociative disorders, factitious disorder and malingering, amnesic syndrome, acute, acute on chronic or fluctuating cognitive impairment, delirium. See common cognitive disorders section earlier for clinical features of delirium. Chronic cognitive impairment. Key questions when a patient presents with chronic cognitive impairment. Which cognitive domains are impaired? One or many. Is the impairment stable, fluctuating or progressive? Is the cognitive impairment causing functional impairment? Are there any other associated symptoms? E.g. mood change, personality change, perceptual disturbance. Chronic impairment in multiple cognitive domains is due most often to dementia, mild cognitive impairment or depression, see for more differentials. Sometimes a patient has an isolated impairment, see for examples most often due to a head injury or stroke. Causes of isolated amnesia, amnesic syndrome, are considered in more detail at the end of the section. Red flag. Lewy body dementia and multi-infarct dementia are the only dementias that feature transient episodes of impaired consciousness as a typical feature. All other dementias do not feature an impairment of consciousness unless complicated by a delirium. Dementia. See common cognitive disorders section, above, for clinical features. Older adults presenting with both physical health problems and generalized cognitive impairment are very common, and it is imperative that you understand how to differentiate between dementia and delirium. Summarizes the factors differentiating delirium from dementia, learn it well. Hints and tips. Dementia and delirium are by far the most common causes of generalized cognitive impairment. A key question in differentiating them is the duration of impairment. Is it acute, chronic or acute on chronic? The patient may not be able to tell you, but their notes or a collateral history from a relative or GP can be invaluable. Mild cognitive impairment. Mild cognitive impairment is objective cognitive impairment confirmed with a standardized test that does not interfere notably with activities of daily living. Mild cognitive impairment is a risk state for dementia, with around 10% to 15% of patients developing dementia each year. However, in some cases the impairment remains stable or even improves. All the processes that cause dementia can also cause mild cognitive impairment, so it is normally investigated in the same way. Subjective cognitive impairment. Subjective cognitive impairment is when a patient complains of cognitive problems but scores normally on standardized tests. It can reflect anxiety or depression, but can also represent early deterioration in a highly educated individual that is unidentifiable using standard tests. People with subjective memory impairment are at increased risk for later developing mild cognitive impairment or dementia. Stable cognitive impairment. Some, one-off, insults to the brain can impair one or more aspects of cognition but not cause progressive deterioration, e.g. following a stroke, hypoxic brain injury, traumatic brain injury or viral encephalitis. Improvement post-insult can occur over several months, so it is important not to make a firm diagnosis of stable chronic impairment too soon. Often someone who has had one cerebrovascular event continues to have further episodes, so an initially stable post-stroke cognitive impairment can evolve into vascular dementia. Depression. Depressive, pseudodementia, is a term sometimes used when patients present with clinical features resembling a dementia that result from an underlying depression. Both depression and dementia can be associated with a gradual onset of low mood, anorexia, sleep disturbance and generalized cognitive and functional impairment, and they can be very difficult to distinguish. If there is uncertainty, treatment for depression is trialed and cognition rechecked after mood has improved. Unfortunately, depression presenting with cognitive impairment is a risk factor for later developing dementia. Psychosis. Patients with schizophrenia often have multiple cognitive deficits, particularly relating to memory, but unlike dementia, the age of onset is earlier and psychotic symptoms are present from the start. An acute psychotic state may resemble a delirium due to disturbed behavior, vivid hallucinations, distractibility and thought disorder. 
However, patients generally remain orientated and symptoms do not fluctuate to the same degree as in delirium. Intellectual disability. Patients with intellectual disability have an IQ below 70 with an impaired ability to adapt to their social environment. Unlike dementia, intellectual disability manifests in the developmental period before age 18 years and the level of cognitive functioning tends to be stable over time, not progressively deteriorating C. However, intellectual disability can be comorbid with dementia or delirium. Around 50% of people with Down syndrome will develop Alzheimer dementia, often early onset. Dissociative disorders. Memory loss and altered conscious levels can occur in the dissociative disorders e.g. dissociative amnesia, fugue and stupor, C. These usually occur in younger adults, however, there is no evidence of a physical cause and they are usually precipitated by a psychosocial stressor. Factitious disorder and malingering. C. Amnesic syndrome. While dementia is the most common cause of chronic memory dysfunction overall, certain brain diseases can cause a severe disruption of memory with minimal or no deterioration in other cognitive functions. This is termed amnesic syndrome and usually results from damage to the hypothalamic diencephalic system or the hippocampal region see for the causes of amnesic syndrome. The amnesic syndrome is characterized by all of the following. Anterograde and retrograde amnesia. The impairment of memory for past events is in reverse order of their occurrence, i.e. recent memories are the most affected. There is no impairment of attention or consciousness or global intellectual functioning. There is also no defect in working memory as tested by digit span. There is strong evidence of a brain disease known to cause the amnesic syndrome. Box 7.4. Causes of amnesic syndrome. Diencephalic damage. Vitamin B1 thiamine deficiency, i.e. Korsakoff syndrome. Chronic alcohol abuse. Gastric carcinoma. Severe malnutrition. Hyperemesis gravidarum. Bilateral thalamic infarction. Multiple sclerosis. Post-subarachnoid hemorrhage. Third ventricle tumors, cysts. Hippocampal damage. Bilateral posterior cerebral artery occlusion. Carbon monoxide poisoning. Closed head injury. Herpes simplex virus encephalitis. Transient global amnesia. Although there is no impairment of global cognitive functioning, patients with the amnesic syndrome are usually disorientated in time due to their inability to learn new material and to regrade amnesia. Other associated features are confabulation, filling of gaps in memory with details which are fictitious, but often plausible, lack of insight and apathy. The commonest cause of amnesic syndrome is thiamine deficiency resulting in Wernicke encephalopathy followed by Korsakoff syndrome. See for details. Hints and tips. Due to their unimpaired intellectual functioning, maintained communication and language skills, tendency to confabulate and lack of insight, patients with an amnesic syndrome can present as problem-free. Therefore, as in dementia, a collateral history is crucial. Assessment. History. The following questions may be helpful in eliciting symptoms of cognitive impairment. To the patient. Do you find yourself forgetting familiar people's names? Do you get lost more easily than you used to? Are you able to handle money confidently? Do you feel being forgetful is stopping you from doing anything? To the informant. Are they repetitive in conversation? Has their personality changed? Are they having difficulty with aspects of their day-to-day -day life? Do you have any concerns about their safety? Examination. Cognitive examination. The key when assessing cognition is to use a standardized test and avoid vague descriptions such as alert and orientated. Many patients maintain a good social veneer, making it surprisingly easy to miss cognitive impairment if it is not formally assessed. There is a wide range of tests available of varying comprehensiveness, length and generalizability across cultures. The one you choose depends on the time available and degree of concern about a patient's cognition. In the UK, it is recommended that all hospital inpatients aged more than 65 years have their cognition screened whether or not they appear impaired. Lists the advantages and disadvantages of some widely used screening tests.
There are many more cognitive tests which may be useful for specific disorders, e.g. the Wisconsin card test to assess frontal lobe function. Assessment of conscious level is described in Table 7.6. Standardized tests of cognition, advantages and disadvantages. Hints and tips. Try to ensure the result of a cognitive assessment reflects cognitive abilities rather than other difficulties as far as possible. Check for medications which may be influencing cognition, ensure the patient has their glasses and or hearing aid, is not hungry, needing the toilet or exhausted. Physical examination. A physical examination, including a neurological examination, is important in everyone with cognitive impairment as it may provide evidence of reversible causes of impairment such as hypothyroidism or a space-occupying lesion. Risk factors for dementia, e.g. hypertension or atrial fibrillation. Differential diagnosis of dementia, e.g. a hemiparesis or visual field defect suggestive of a stroke and hence increased risk for vascular dementia. Complications of impairment such as self-neglect or injuries from falls. Factors that may influence future prescribing decisions, e.g. bradycardia should lead to caution with cholinesterase inhibitors. Investigations. The main aim of investigation in cognitive impairment is to exclude reversible causes. In delirium, additional investigations for acute illness are likely to be appropriate, including an electrocardiogram, ECG, and a septic screen in the presence of infective symptoms or pyxia. Table 7.7. Investigations recommended in chronic cognitive impairment. CT, computed tomography, MRI, magnetic resonance imaging. Although some types of dementia have characteristic radiological findings, these differences are not yet robust enough to be diagnostic. In some rarer forms of dementia, genetic testing may be useful, Huntington disease and early onset Alzheimer, c. If the diagnosis is in doubt or atypical, a more detailed cognitive assessment by a neuropsychologist may be of benefit, usually accessed via a memory clinic. Table 7.8. Typical CT appearances for the main forms of dementia. CT, computed tomography, MRI, magnetic resonance imaging. Discussion of case study. Mr. DD first presented with memory loss for recent events. His personality gradually changed withdrawn, prone to verbal aggression, and he also developed numerous other cognitive deficits. Aphasia, rambling incoherently, agnosia, unable to recognize his pipe, apraxia, unable to dress himself, and impaired executive functioning, unable to make a cup of coffee. This six-year deterioration in cognitive and functional abilities associated with a normal level of consciousness suggests the diagnosis of dementia. Mr. DD then developed a delirium as evidenced by the rapid onset of a fluctuating conscious level, disturbed sleep-wake cycle, psychomotor agitation and apparent perceptual disturbances, visual hallucinations. It is crucial that the cause of the delirium is diagnosed and treated. In this case, it could be pneumonia as Mr. DD had developed a productive cough. Now go on to to read about delirium and dementia and their management. Chapter Summary Cognitive impairment is common and associated with high morbidity and mortality, but is often under-recognized. Delirium is a syndrome of impaired consciousness, impaired attention and impaired cognition, all with acute or fluctuating onset. Dementia is a syndrome of acquired, gradually progressive, generalized cognitive impairment associated with functional decline. Always assess cognition using a standardized cognitive test. A collateral history is often crucial to establish the temporal pattern of cognitive difficulties and degree of functional impairment. Always screen for treatable causes of delirium and dementia.